When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Solar Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, folks, yeah, we call this thing the Solar Business uh, for a reason. And the guest I have today, for me, embodies what it means as a leader to to actually foster uh, compassionate capitalism in the way that I thought of it when I wrote the book. Uh, compassionate capitalism. So I had her, uh, well, actually, I had her, David and I, David Meltzer and I had her as a guest on our office hour show uh, a couple of Thursdays ago. You might want to go back and, and, and check out that episode. It was just stellar. And I fell in love with her, truly. And I, and I mean that in a very uh, specific way. Who she is, is just phenomenal. What she brings to the table is phenomenal. And how she actually leverages that uh, that consciousness of connect the connectivity uh, is actually the reason that I insisted <laughs> through a very gentle invitation that she come join us. So my guest today, Sajel uh, Thacker, uh, she um, is um, responsible for cultivating a people first culture at Nobody Studios. And I want to talk a little bit about Nobody Studios because the name itself is kind of interesting. But what you do, it's a high velocity venture studio that's based down in Southern California, Laguna Beach. Um, but we're going to talk about a whole lot of things uh, as we kind of unbundle this. So Sajal, thank you for saying yes and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Blaine, for I'm really excited and humbled to be here today. So thank you for making space for me on your show. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, let's just start off with you know, kind of the standard upfront question here. When you hear the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? And then that opens up a couple of doors that we're going to walk through, I'm, I'm sure. Well, I first of all, I love the name soul of business. It's such a great name for a podcast. Um, but for, for me, I, I always think of when I think of a business, the soul is the people who are part of that business, who are part of that organization, right? And so when you're talking about how do we create an environment where the people in our organization can thrive and can do their work and be motivated, that's what I look at. And so it's just really exciting because that's exactly what I'm doing for Nobody's Studios is helping to create that culture from the ground up. So... Let, let's kind of take that one and run with it. Nobody Studios. First of all, the name. Secondly, what is it that you do? Or maybe we put them in reverse, however you think that would make sense. Because it's a fascinating uh, uh, topic, I think. Yeah. And, just... and the name is perfect for the studio is, is what we're going after is that it's nobody that we're it's bigger than any one of us. It's bigger than anything that we can imagine that when we put ourselves together and come together, we can innovate and create companies in a way that's never been done before. So it's nobody's studios. So Blaine, I got involved when the uh, our chief um, CEO, executive officer, Mark McNally reached out to me because he wanted to create a company that deals with 
you know, when an employee has a crisis at work, how do we support that employee as well as support the business and the business needs? And so when you look at what's out there, there are some major gaps in how we're supporting both sides. And so he saw the sort of work that I was doing with my own business that I have called Train Extra. Right. And so he reached out to me and said, you're obviously passionate about culture. You obviously care about workplace wellness. Would you wanna come on board and help us kind of create the solution? So that's how I got involved. And then a couple of months after I joined, he said, I really like what you're doing out there. Culture is a huge priority for us at the studio, which that right there just blew my mind because I've had the door shut on me from a lot of different startups where I've been knocking on their door to say, bring me in here and let me do some training for your teams to t- you know, make sure you have the right culture. And they've said, we're not big enough or we don't have enough money. And I've, I've heard all kinds of excuses, right? So when Mark came to me, it was a breath of fresh air. And I said, Hmm, let's talk a little bit more about that. What do you exactly mean when you say people first culture? And so we had a number of conversations to make sure that we were aligned and what we were out there, what we wanted to accomplish. And so then he offered me the position of chief culture officer on their leadership team. And I officially accepted that as of May. So just been there a short time, but it's, 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 it's very exciting. Well, congratulations on that. You know, that, that whole idea of culture, uh, I'm, I'm an adjunct professor at Beijing University in China. And how I actually migrated into that role was off of some culture development work I was doing with uh, basically startups uh, in the Chinese uh, uh, economic environment. Uh, and they recognized the need for intentionally designed cultures. Now, yeah. Fast forward, they got off track in some very interesting ways, and I'm not you know, doing anything with that any longer. But the idea of, and I, you know, I love the, yeah, you're, you're, you're the founder of Trinextra, but you're also the chief civility officer. And <laughs> I have never seen that title before, and I just lit up when I saw it because I think I know what you're doing with it, but I want to just actually, how do you bring civility into the discourse in a culture that is an entrepreneurial culture that is high velocity, which is what uh, Nobody Studios is. It's a high velocity venture studio. How do you, you know, how do you true to civility? Well, and, and, and so just a little bit of background, right? So I'm an employment lawyer. I've been a defense attorney my whole career. So from 2003 till 2012, I was a litigator and I was a defense attorney. So I was actually representing management in cases. And the ones that I specialized in were harassment, discrimination, and retaliation. So I saw a lot of incivility happening in these work environments. And mm-hmm. by the time that I got involved as the attorney on the case, it was too late. You know, a lot of these environments had already turned toxic. There was a lot of uncivil behavior going on, oftentimes for a very long time that had not been addressed. And a lot of times these were managers that were engaging in this behavior. And so for me, it was really frustrating to be in that role because I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm more of a conflict resolution person. You know, I'm looking at how do we do this proactively? How do we prevent lawsuits? and keep these lawyers away. And so I was kind of stuck in this, in this, uh, in this, I would call my, I call it an experiment of myself because here I was supposed to be defending people, but I was actually educating them more about what they should and what they shouldn't be doing at work. And as I was doing that, I realized, you know what, there is, there are so many gaps in the way that things are being done in organizations. 
And, you know, from the way anything from training to workplace investigations, a lot of times what I noticed was that organizations were really looking at how do we just focus on legal compliance? How do we just do what's what's mandated of us rather than actually focusing in on creating cultures of dignity and respect? And so I started dabbling into training earlier in my career. I would say, you know, around when my son was born, I said, okay, I, I, I want to be at home with my son. So I started teaching at some universities. I started training. And initially, I was doing a lot of the anti-harassment training, which is mandated by law. And I did right. a lot of that. And I said, this is there are so many things that need to be covered that are not being covered in these mandated trainings. Right. And then I started doing a lot of diversity inclusion training, which I have a huge passion for, which, I, you know, I've been a social justice advocate my whole since I was young. So that felt like the right place for me. But there was something that was missing. It wasn't being connected. I found that organizations weren't connecting the dots between your legal compliance and your diversity and inclusion. So there was all this gray area where things like allyship, things like unconscious bias, things like, what do I do as a bystander? So there were these big pieces that were missing. And so that's why I called myself the chief civility officer because I wanna go into organizations to say, I think we're doing it wrong. I think we need to do this differently. I think we need to focus on developing the people that are within your organization that make up the soul of your business, right? And mm-hmm. work on developing them, empowering them to be a part of the solution. And that's yeah. the key. It's like, not this whole, the way it's been done is like, don't talk about it. Let's keep it hush hush. You're not supposed to talk about these things. Rather, it's the exact opposite. No, no, no. Let's talk about these early on. Let's create that culture where we're not going to tolerate incivility. And if it happens, I'm not saying we cancel people, but we have to deal with it and we address it early on. Yeah. Before it Rather than letting it faster. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. And folks that have been listening to this uh, podcast regularly have heard me say this before, but all any organization is collection of people that are in relationship. And to the degree the relationships are working well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful. Um, I was was working with a client uh, today, um, big healthcare system, and we've got uh, a couple of the senior executives at loggerheads. And they they basically don't like each other. Uh, And that dislike for each other is getting in the way of a higher purpose. And it's actually you know, trickling down into the organization and they fundamentally aren't particularly civil with each other. And I mention all of that for a couple of reasons here. One, from a leadership perspective, these are leaders in an organization and the litmus test for effective leadership for me in the way I define it, co-creating coordinated movement, you're going to step on people's toes. You can't not step on people's toes when you're working that closely. But if you're paying attention to elegance, minimizing unintended consequences in the way that you go about leading, I would think that civility would be one of the major ingredients in approaching any discord or disagreement that uh, yeah, is, is potentially going to go off the rails somehow. It, it's, yeah, civility and elegance kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I love I love what you just said there. And it's true. But I think the, the what ends up happening is the word civility, right, in and of itself needs to get defined by the organization. So I'm urging companies to make civility a separate core value within the organization. 
A lot mm-hmm. of times it gets, comes under respect in the workplace or it comes under diversity and inclusion. It kind of gets thrown between all these things. But I think it needs to be a specific core value and it needs to be defined because uncivil behavior, it's a spectrum of behaviors, right? It could be anything from rude, unprofessional behavior, unwelcoming behavior. It could be dismissive behavior all the way to your abusive conduct, bullying, and then to your illegal harassment. So there is a wide range of behaviors. Yeah. So you need to define that and then give people the tools to say, we know that when there's one thing going on, I, I always call it like it's like the tip of the iceberg, right? If there's some uncivil behavior going on, I say, look at it like a tip of the iceberg. What we know about icebergs is a majority of that iceberg is going to be underwater. And that's where right. your risk is. But if you don't create that environment where somebody can say, so let's say if you and I are working together, right? And we're from different, with different religions, different cultures, different skin colors, different genders. We have a lot of differences. That's going to shape the way that we look at the world. But you might say something to me that you're trying to be funny. You might mean it as a joke, but because of my lived experiences, maybe I don't think it's funny, right? Mm-hmm. I should have a way. And if, if we, if we do this right, and we create an environment where we can say to each other, Hey, Blaine, you know, and, I, I, you know, I know you maybe meant that to be funny, but it made me feel uncomfortable. Here's why. And then we as adults then decide to move on and figure out how to move past it. We haven't been doing that though. We've exactly. been like, punt it to HR, punt it to the lawyers, let them handle it and let some escalate it instead of resolve it. So let's give people the resolution skills rather than just punting it to somebody else and letting them deal with it. Yeah, punting it down the road isn't a resolution strategy that bears much fruit. I mean, Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, civil disobedience, it's almost a paradox just in the phrasing. And you gave a TED Talk that uh, I absolutely loved because it, it it takes a couple of different things here. And the title of it, I, yeah, folks, you got to go you, you do it. Yeah, go to YouTube. Uh, actually, go to TEDx more precisely and, and get this. Uh, the pain, power, and paradox of bias. And yeah, you talk about the you know the iceberg and what's under the iceberg's visible uh, waterline is bias. Yeah, it, it feeds into our mindset. It feeds into everything. When we come back from this break, I want to you know do a cliff note version of your talk because there's some very interesting truths in there, and and the key there is paradox. How do you hold two different opposing truths? Yeah, that's a paradox. I mean, they're, they're both true. How, do, how does that work? And where do you where does resolution come into play? So we're going to take a real quick break. See, Jal Thacker, when we come back in, we're going to be picking this up and we're going to do a TED Talk, a brief TED TEDx talk. Okay, we'll be right back, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week-long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become 
a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business. That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind Program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. Blaine Bartlett, Soul of Business, my guest today, Sajala Thacker. And we are just going to start unbundling a little bit here, a TED Talk that she gave on the pain, power, and paradox of bias. And if you, and I'm assuming that you haven't had the chance yet, but if you uh, haven't had the chance, uh, I want you to go to TEDx and, and uh, take some time and just watch this fascinating talk. You will not regret doing so. So um, give us the Cliff Note version of the talk real quick, and then I want to apply it to some of the work that you're doing, not only at Nobody Studios, but how you work at Train Extra to actually bring civility into what could be a discordant uh environment or culture? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the talk came about because as I started doing trainings, I started doing a lot of training on unconscious bias and how that impacts literally everything we do. And as I was doing this training, I realized that, wait a second, the minute I even say the word bias, people are disconnecting from the conversation. And this is something that we need to learn. Everybody needs to be aware of how our unconscious bias works. And I really, you know, especially when the whole civil rights movement started happening and we had COVID and people were at home, that fear, that uncertainty brought out more of the bias It rooted it to the surface. And for me, I felt like, what is what, what can I do to use my voice to help raise awareness on it? So that's why I did the TEDx talk. But I approached it from the three different perspectives, right? I wanted to share that how bias shows up. It could be conscious bias. It could be unconscious bias. And so in my talk, the first part of the talk is really about the pain of bias. And that's where I talked about how when I grew up, you know, my parents moved here from India. We were one of the only Indian families in a predominantly Italian neighborhood. And so when I grew up, I dealt with bullying and harassment at a very young age. So I was on the receiving end. And so I talk about sort of my story of going through that situation, not having a lot of support, not really having anyone to be able to talk to about what I was going through, and really how difficult and challenging that was being on that side. And then I talk about the paradox part of my talk is really about, you know, my dad used to give me this advice when I was growing up, you know, and he'd always say, Sejal, at the time, I would get upset when he would tell me, right? Because when you're a kid and you're dealing with all these emotions and you're dealing with bias, you're like, I don't want to hear that there's another side to this equation, right? But he would tell me <laughs> things like, you know, look, if, if this person is hurting you, then they probably are hurting themselves inside. You know, he would always try to tell me to see it from their perspective of what's going on for them. And then he would also say something, you know, he would, the other piece of advice he would always give me is he would say, look, we're all capable of being hurtful to other people. And so he would always kind of keep saying that, but it didn't really hit me until I got to law school. And when I started really got out of law school, started practicing, and now I was defending people. So here I went from being a victim of bias to uh -huh. now seeing bias from the other perspective and representing managers who were accused of doing these bad things. And there a couple of things really happened. 
one, I got to see bias from a whole different perspective, right? And, and, and that was kind of shocking to me because I was honestly expecting to see people who were going to be evil or these bad, malicious people that are just out there trying to hurt people. And there's always a handful of those people. So I'm not saying there, there aren't any, but majority of the cases that I worked on, I felt that these people were well-intentioned people. They were trying to do their best, but because of their life and their lived experiences, their ignorance, they were saying and doing things un, with unintentionally, not intending yeah. to harm somebody. So they were like microaggressions. Yeah. But because they they kept behaving that way or saving these things, it now looked like intentional harassment or discrimination because it had gone on for so long. So mm-hmm. that was one huge part of that, that paradox journey. And then the second part was for me to be able to even just do my job. You know, I had to check my own biases. All of a sudden, I had to figure out strategies to mitigate my own bias, right? So that I could be a good, effective attorney. So yeah. I started creating strategies and started learning about, wait a second, there are things that we can do to mitigate it. Now, I didn't understand all the neuroscience behind it. So later on in my career, when I actually started doing more of the training, and that's when I realized that, wait a second, people need to understand that just because of how our brain works, mm-hmm. we have so many unconscious biases that we're not even aware of and all of our biases are different, but we can't do anything about it until we learn about it. Yeah, that's so the power of training. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I started doing the training, it was, it was so, it became even more important to me to be able to educate people on just the basics of what we've learned over the last decade about how our brain works and how we can <laughs> implement simple strategies to mitigate harm to people that we care about that are in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of familiarity bias, because, uh, you know, yeah, we, we sort for similarities and we also sort for differences and we tend to toss out the differences as bad, you know, not yeah. one undesirable, that sort of thing. And, you know, that's where the whole idea of trusted source information comes in. You know, your trusted source, you're sorting familiar, you know, for familiarity. And I mean, you look at the political landscape today and you'll hear people talk all the time. Well, the trusted source is this. Who's your trusted source? Well, depending on my yeah, what I'm sorting for, what are the similarities I'm sorting for? We'll go down that path. And it never gets checked out. It's, it's just uh, an uncon. And that gets back into you know, confirmation bias. Yes. Yeah, which is kind of the uber bias of, a, <laughs> of them all, well, as far yeah. as I can tell. And and. and, and you know, it could be social biases, like the things that we think about, like race, gender, age, but then there's over 180 different kinds of cognitive biases that they've identified. So like the ones that we're talking about, affinity bias, confirmation bias, but that's the thing, it's normal. And, but, but because the way the media, because of politics, because of the way that it's been painted, people just think like, oh, if I have bias, I'm a bad person. And I'm like, no, that just means you have a brain, right? And so let's help, let's figure out what your pre, you know, I call them hidden beliefs. Because mm-hmm. if I replace the word bias with beliefs, then more people tend to listen and they give it more of an opportunity. But if you think about all of the information your brain processes, it creates all these shortcuts. And that's what these unconscious biases are. Yeah. You're you're wired that way. So it's not yeah. anything to it's not to cancel anybody, it's not to shame anybody. It's not about judging each other. It's about saying, let's take this opportunity. To I call it calling that person in, to call them in, to educate them, take it as a learning opportunity to say, hey, 
this is how I grew up and this is what I've gone through and this is why this is harmful. And I think the I think the key point that I'll make here in a lot of the work that I'm, you know, doing at Nobody Studios and with some of my clients is bystanders, the people that observe this going on need to do more, right? Yeah. Because if let's say if I'm the one that's dealing with microaggressions every day of my life for whatever marginalized reason, it could be because I'm a gender, it could be because of my because I'm a female, it could be the color of my skin, my race, my age, it could be anything, any marginalized category, right? But if I'm the one that's going through that, I'm being harmed. Mm-hmm. In that situation, my responsibility is to take care of myself. So somebody else has to let the other person know to call them in to say, hey, what you're doing is harming her. And it's not about you being a bad person. It's not that you're intending to do that. But if we really want to create civil workplaces, we have to focus on eliminating the harm that's happening. So not to think about it personally or to want to get defensive about it. And it's really hard, Blaine. That is hard. really hard. Really yeah, yeah. hard. It's the, the and, and you mentioned something. The way that the brain works, very simply, is it, it looks it works in patterns. You know, we, you know, pattern recognition. And another way of saying that is it it looks for shortcuts. Yeah. It does. It looks for shortcuts. And anytime I'm out on the highway or anything like that, and and I take a shortcut, by definition, I am cutting myself off from a longer route, which is just rich with all kinds of things that I could discover that I wouldn't see had I not taken that shortcut. And it will take me possibly more time to do that, but the richness of the experience becomes one thing, yeah, something that I actually ultimately end up valuing. When we think about it in that term, we're traveling through life. And when we can begin to minimize the shortcuts, and first of all, it starts with being aware of where, you know, you know where did I take a shortcut? Uh, and that's where you know, the unintended consequences come in. I took a shortcut and I cut somebody off. Yes. I cut, yeah, I cut yeah, either at the knees or out of my life. I cut them off somehow. So um, where I'm going with this uh, is back to culture and the idea of bringing civility into a culture, both conversationally, but also behaviorally. My guess would be, and I'm just, and I'm going to position this as a guess to clarify, uh, uh, that it begins to minimize people taking shortcuts. Yes. Or awareness, at a very mm-hmm. minimum, awareness, right? Because you're right, we are on an autopilot. We mm-hmm. are on an autopilot majority of the time because of the sheer volume of information that's coming at us through our five senses. So all of this information gets lodged into these different buckets into our brain and then we see somebody and then we take these shortcuts and we make these judgments about it. it's just and it's happening without us even knowing about it so it's not intentional but but the thing is when you're doing certain things it's okay but when you're making important decisions like who you're going to hire who you're going to promote who you're going to be friends with who you're going to bring into your circle you know it, it's these important decisions what we want what we want to do is slow our thinking down. Yeah. Pause. Realize that we're taking a shortcut because that's how our brain is. But how do we make sure that the action that we take aligns with our current belief system? That's the key. And our espoused values in an organization. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the scary part is a lot of these unconscious beliefs are the opposite. of what you currently believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be a good person, but 
I want to, I want to be inclusive, but yeah, that just, it's a fascinating, yeah, two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, three steps back sort of a process. So where can people find out more about what you're up to probably at you know, train extra, but also how can they, uh, you know, get in touch with you if they want to know more about, uh, nobody studios, if they happen to be a venture, uh, or in a place entrepreneurially where they would like to move forward. Nobody Studios is doing some amazing things. So you can go to our website, nobodystudios.com. And we're always looking for talent. We're looking for people who have ideas. We're looking for people who want to invest into our studio, who want to be a part of helping us make some noise about all the wonderful things that we're doing. So influence. So we're always looking for people who want to be a part of this journey, right? So you can also look at our LinkedIn page and you can look at my LinkedIn page. I'm constantly posting about what we're doing. But I, I, I'll just say one other thing about Nobody Studios is that we're really doing things differently than a lot of the other venture studios have done in that we want the people to be involved. We want the crowd to be involved in everything we do. Like we don't, we might have some ideas about, okay, we like the work, workplace wellness idea that we want to focus in on this area, but we're not saying we know the answers. So we want to get everybody involved who might be impacted by the solution to say, give us your feedback. Let us know before we spend a million dollars on something, mm -hmm. like let's make sure we're building the right thing, right? So we're always, we, you're going to see it, you're going to see that happening more and more where we start sort of David, you know, David's joined on to our journey. And so yeah. I love that part of about the studio because I think it's so important and it gives access to people to be a part of this ideation process. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Blaine, I'm not from the tech world. I've never worked for the startup. I've never worked for, and that's what I told Mark when he approached me. I go, "You do know I have like zero experience in tech, <laughs> right?" That's He's why like, I you. A lot of experience in culture, and that's what I'm bringing you on board for. I'm like, okay, perfect. <laughs> I can definitely help you with that. So that is great. So nobody was nobodystudios.com, and your LinkedIn, uh, Sage L S C J A L Thacker T H A K K A R. Uh, look her up on LinkedIn. You will find a just wonderful profile there. Um, Sejal, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I've loved this conversation. I could li literally talk to you for hours here. And uh, I mean, I, you know, we're kind of cut from the same bolt of cloth in a lot of ways here. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time and, and gracing us with uh, your wisdom, your conversation, and just your presence. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Great. You've been listening to The Soul of Business uh, with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, check out my website, blainebartlett.com. Uh, you'll find some resources there. Um, I'm not going to you know, do a big plug here, but there's a couple of things that you might want to pay attention to. I just completed a uh, Hidden Laws of Leadership program that uh, has got some very interesting concepts in it. Uh, there's some information on my website about that. And also my mastermind, uh, the Leadership Mindset Mastermind Um check that one out as well. I'd love to have you be a part of that mastermind. It is a profoundly transformative experience, if I do say so myself. Okay. And we'll uh, just kind of sign off with this. Say, Joe, thank you very much. And until next time, folks, have a great rest of your week. Take care.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.